name is Misty. This is the eighth episode of Choice. My experience building relationship with God. At the end of episode six, my son had become missing. Even though I was, I knew who had taken him, I had discovered I did not have the money or resources to go after her. And I found myself having to rely on different social service agencies out there like Missing Children, Children's Minnesota. I can't remember the name of the law firm right now. It was a legal aid. It was legal aid. And I had to get on their waiting list. Uh, it was a year long. I had to wait a year just to get uh, an attorney to hear out what was going on. I was so baffled. I couldn't understand how this was happening to me. It was <laughs> hell. Total hell. I didn't plan it. It, man, it just happened. I just did not understand. In processing this as I speak about it, my son was missing, and it was like I was screaming to the top of my lungs, and no one was hearing me. I couldn't understand why I couldn't have just picked up a phone and called the police and why they couldn't just get them back for me. I hadn't lost my parental rights. They couldn't terminate my parental rights. She just kept running from one state to another, and she started using aliases, different names. She even had an alternative social security number, and then she changed his name. It was a mess, an absolute mess, and I had no one helping me. No one knew what to do, and um, I was trying to continue life because I needed to continue living for them. I had my daughter and her dad. We got married, and we moved out to a little town out in Hopkins. My husband knew all about it, but it baffled him, too. He didn't know what we could do. I uh, was at my wit's end because after speaking with an ombudsman at the state level and telling her the story of what had happened, she typed it all up and used state letterhead and everything and sent it off to the Oprah show. But that didn't materialize. This was about 1992. Even though time seemed to move so slowly, it was going by. It was going by. And I had come into our home and one one afternoon, and there was this evangelist on the television. And I sat down, and I started to listen to him. And all of a sudden, it's like everything he's saying was starting to make sense. If there's a situation you find yourself in in your life that 
you can't do anything. You don't know what to do. Then call on the name of Jesus. You know, repent and say that you messed up everything up to this point and that you need him to come into your life. And I was so broken, so torn up inside. And I closed my eyes and I said those words that I repent. I had made an absolute mess of of my life. And I needed Jesus to come in to me, to my heart, to my life, and make it right. I was saved. It was in the summertime. It was in July. Oh, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, young adolescents, young people, put your seatbelts on because we really getting ready to take off now. Hallelujah. I was saved. I was saved, and the evangelist said, "Pick up a piece of, pick up a community paper or newspaper, and find a church, a good word church, and go, go. You need to go and confess that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior." And you need to get into a good word church. So I picked up my community paper, and there was a lot of churches there, but this one church uh, popped out at me. And um, it was a Kojic church, a church of God in Christ, Kojic. And I didn't know what that meant. I just knew it popped out at me, and I picked up the phone, and I called it, and This woman answered the phone, and I shared with her that I had, my life was in a crisis, and I had just accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and she's like, well, come on over. And so I gathered my things, and I got in the car, and I drove right over to meet her, and it was a small church in South Minneapolis, and she began to tell me as we sat down on the pew in the in the church that she had not been there at that time in the afternoon like she couldn't even remember when she had been there so it was like her first time ever being there at that time in the afternoon and the phone rang and when she picked it up it was me so she was just elated It turns out that the person I was talking with was the pastor's wife. So she gave me the information on the services, and I began to attend that church and uh, learn the basics about the Gospels. and, And I, you know, picked up that information and some other information that really wasn't correct. However, at that time, I didn't know it. All I know is I felt new. And that's going to sound really weird probably to the majority of people, but when I was saved, I felt wobbly, just like a, a baby deer, like when a baby deer is born and, 
They're first trying to stand up on their legs. I just had this sense that I was that I was new, and I was. I was. I was new. I was. I was brand new. And uh, after going there for a while, uh, let's see, wasn't that long before I was in the choir, and. And I brought my daughter with me. She was so young. She was whew, she was about two years old. My husband, he, he was coming. He had his own reasons. My husband was a Vietnam vet. He said to me that one time that you're going to never find yourself more closer to God that when you're in the trenches of war with none of the comforts of home and the men in your platoon are being slaughtered by landmines right next to you, blown to bits, but here you are still standing or here you are still laying there on the ground. He's like, you never find yourself so so close to God that in that moment of of horrendous warfare. But I had a joy, <laughs> a joy unspeakable. I had this joy in me that I never had before. And I was I was excited and I was learning things about God and his word. I was really, really excited. And time went on. The months went by. And uh, back then is when they had you fast for a few days and then stay up all night, you know, praying to get the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Well, eventually the Holy Spirit filled me, but I have no idea when that was. All I know is eventually he felt me. He probably felt me shaking his head, saying, you poor thing, because all of that just really wasn't necessary. <laughs> it, it, was, it was different there. You know, that's when I found out, that was the beginning of my experience, that there was God's word, and then there's man's interpretation of God's word. And then there's how you walk that out, you know, re- physically and reality, realistically. And for that particular congregation, there's women were not supposed to wear no makeup and you had long skirts and oversized shirts, you know, and um, I was saved. I just all I knew. I was saved, and and it was starting to cause problems at home. Before I knew it, my husband was calling me a holy roller. I was, I was just you. You couldn't tell me anything about what my experience was, because for me it was real. Well, in the midst of all of this, 
that was going on in my life. We had just come back from Montana, um, and, and that whole whirlwind of optimism turned to disappointment when we found out they had left the state of Montana and they were, then they were located in Texas. And, but because it was a state issued order, it could not be fulfilled because she had crossed state lines. So I left my daughter with her dad and took the Greyhound bus. The attorneys that I had had pro bono in Montana now had to get a law firm in in a small town in Texas to represent me in this court appearance that she and this little crew of hers had set up. And, uh, but you couldn't tell me nothing. I was saved. God was on my side and I was going to come back with my son. I was sure of it. I was, I said, this is the answer to everything. You know, I'm coming back with my son and this is gonna be over. Well, I got down there and faithfully, the law firm that was contacted uh, to do the work, um, one of their attorneys met me at the bus station, and we went to court. I think, yeah, court was like that same day. I mean, just really cutting it to the Close. I don't remember spending the night there. Um, I may have, but I don't remember that. I remember getting there early that morning, and court was later that morning, and this was like just a, like a some kind of initial hearing. And Caucasian male judge got up on the stand on his seat, and. Uh, I was wearing my University of Minnesota maroon and gold. Uh, maroon and gold. I had my maroon and gold on and had Minnesota across it in huge letters. Had my long skirt on. No makeup. My hair was really long, so it was uh, long and in curls. Kind of loose curls because I had been traveling and I saw my son there, and that was the first time I had seen him in a couple years. And uh, I was—I didn't know what to say to him because by this time she's had time to let him think whatever he wanted to think about that one-way ticket. All she had to do was give him the one-way ticket and just let his imagination go forth about why it was just one way. Not only that, all the experiences that he had been through with her in the last couple years, come to find out she was a charlatan, she was a, a imitator, a thief. Come to find out she's a straight-up hustler. 
found this out through a private investigator that a law firm had had uh, hired to do some work for them. How we ended up in court is that she ended up going to a small town church where this judge happened to attend the same church, and she got next to him and filled him with her story about how she ended up with my son. And, of course, it was nothing but lies and deceit. But both of them was white. So I guess that made it right. Because that day, that judge said from his high place in that courtroom, do you think I am going to release your son to you here today and let you take him back up north? That's a quote. That's exactly what he said, and I was absolutely dumbfounded that he would use such, to me, for a judge, that was loose language. How are you going to talk to me like that? You're supposed to be a judge. You know? And... Like I said, I didn't find out afterwards that she had the judge in her pocket. I, I didn't find that out till afterwards. Which then totally made sense. And uh, he told me he was not going to release my son to me. And then he scheduled a trial. Get this, a trial. Where I would have to come back. Oh, my gosh. Talk about totally distraught. I didn't let him see me sweat, but I tell you, when I got out in that hallway, my attorney, all she could do, she had these big, thick glasses. She was a Caucasian lady. She was short, too. She just couldn't believe what was happening. And she had, I was just, on the floor. I was a mess. I was on the floor. But again, I had to get up off the floor because my baby daddy and my daughter was up north. And I needed to get the next bus out so I could get back to them. So God bless that attorney. She took me out and fed me a good hot southern meal. Packed me up with a few snacks. And put me on the next dog going out of town. Back up to up north to Minnesota. And that's what I call a greyhound. I call it the dog. I'm going to take this opportunity to talk with you for a moment. If you are an individual that has listened to this particular episode and you find yourself or because of some wrong choices that you made that your life 
has become an absolute train wreck. Or if you feel there's absolutely no one there for you, if you feel that there's nothing but darkness all around you, take this time and reach out for Jesus. Because just as when Jesus invited one of the apostles out to walk on the water with him, when the apostle believed by faith and began to walk on the water, He didn't have to have no special words or anything when he started to sink. He just had his hand up, help, Lord, help. So understand, if you're in that place in your life, where you've been hearing him tug at you, sensing him tugging at your heart, because it's by his kindness that he leads us to repentance. Then take this time and choose life, life everlasting. And repent. Just say, I've missed it. I've made some wrong choices that have led up to some really messed up consequences. And I can't do this by myself. And there is no human being that is willing or can walk through this with me. Jesus, I ask you into my life. I'm inviting you into my heart. I need you to come into my life and show me how to make that change. After you've done this, we say amen, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. And like that evangelist told me, Go on to your TV or your community newspaper or where you could find a good word church. And just know, as you continue to walk towards Jesus, he will bring you to the place that he has for you to go. God is real.